Welcome back to the 12-Sided Guys. We have Matt as Pine. Hi. Scott as Joff. That's me. Jordan as Ebby. Salutations. Sabrina as Nari. Hey there. And me, Paul, as the guy that got stung in the throat by a bee two days ago. That's not a joke. Mm. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, you poor guy. <laughs> oh, no. Just rough. Oh, my gosh. Thanks for being little honeys and making us a part of your commute, workout, etc. <laughs> if you want to keep up with the latest buzz about the 12-sided guys, go check out our Patreon <laughs> at patreon.com slash 12-sided guys. That's one, two-sided guys. It's been a hive of activity over there, keeping the wiki and maps up to date. And there are bonus episodes on there as well. Also, it would be great if you could leave us a review and a rating over on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Anyway, if your favorite location in Midgar was the Honey Bee Inn, then you're like me, and this podcast is for you. It's the Crystal Codex, episode 32. <laughs> <laughs> You're really taking it like a champ. <laughs> you waxed a little long on that intro. <laughs> oh, actually, this is one of my shorter ones. Uh, anyway, so yes, I did get stung in the throat a couple of days ago. And for whatever reason, it is still just killing me. Were you pulling a Hank Hill and just really going over your lawn or something? Or No, we were trying to bury a dead chicken. <laughs> oh, oh, one oh, of your yeah. chickens Aww. died. One of our chickens died. Mm, that's too bad. Arnium Celadar. Royal Geomancer, how I wish you and I could sit face to face, discuss the nature of crystals and their link to the world and divinity, perhaps even have you explain the purpose of us, the Ormex, how we fit into the vast existential struggles of the lords and ladies. Did we research this all together? Who was I back then? Did I have a name? A family? It does no good to dwell on things that are long since past, and yet I cannot help but feel that there is some important truth buried in the deep recesses of my mind, in the annals of our shared existence. You made me, I believe, but to what end, I do not yet know. But I suspect that our role in this is not yet finished. Our purpose is yet unfulfilled. I know I cannot do this alone. Arnium, you must help me know what keeps them asleep. Somehow in these pages, or others, there must be a clue to unlock this. Being in Arkelvy has been interesting for me. I am confronted by new and strange customs and peoples, and always I am filled with some dread at being found out and captured. And tonight, the stakes feel high. We recently reconnected with the remaining members of the Rose Syndicate. After narrowly evading capture and receiving healing, we began to make preparations to confront the traitor, Aliyah Brava. Our plans take us into the heart of society, but tonight I hide behind no wrap or cover. Tonight I shall hide in plain sight as a deacon, as a slave to the elite of the Empire. The Empire appears to have done a superlative job at appropriating our people for their purposes. First we encountered them as soldiers, and I witnessed in shock and revulsion as they turned our bodies into fiery weapons, those that made an ultimate sacrifice, interring their very souls into the crystalline matrices within, now desecrated and obliterated from existence. 
no more than dust and ash. And now I see my brothers and sisters relegated to the most mundane of tasks and affairs. I suppose I should feel grateful that they haven't further weaponized these Ormecs, but I find my gratitude lacking. These charlatans and malefactors sow seeds of their own destruction, unwittingly, but inexorable. They flaunt their ill-gotten possessions, ignorant to the atrocities they perpetuate with their actions, but they are playing with fire, and I, I will see them burn. Whoa. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Abby. (laughs) A little uh, little warm in here. Still waters run deep, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, there you go. That's great. (laughs) I think he's going through an emo phase. (laughs) <laughs> whatever you're not my dad <laughs> nobody understands me oh all right guys so today is the day of the caper at eberly manor i don't know how else to put it before we jump right in was there anything else that was not accomplished in the last two sessions anything short and sweet that you wanted to do before we go undercover and get this caper started. Pine had some things, just three things, and we don't have to role play them. I can just tell you what they were. Cool. First, Pine wanted to purchase some studded leather armor to wear underneath his costume. Try to conceal it. I don't think that his normal armor would fit underneath this costume and not look weird. Okay, yeah, that's perfect. Second, he would like to buy a military saddle to take with him when they leave so that he can have a, a nice saddle for um, uh, for crumbles. Perfect. And third question for you, Paul, would it be out of place for a gentleman of high stature to wear a sword to this party? Uh, no, it would not be. Although uh, like a sword, like a gentleman's sword is fine. As far as like, I mean, I'm going to say it now and I'm going to instantly regret it. But like a great axe on your back or something like that would not be appropriate. But like a gentleman's Boo! weapon. I'm just saying, <laughs> just saying like a rapier or uh, or a saber or even a long sword, uh, a long sword and dagger, that kind of thing. Um, that would be fine. But you wouldn't go walking in with a spear or something like that. Gotcha. OK, well, the third thing that I'll do then is I will spend time um, sharpening and thoroughly cleaning and shining up my sword. Okay, perfect. Um, It looks like your military style is going to cost you 20 gold pieces. And then your studded leather armor is going to cost you 45. Great. Thank you. No problem. All right. Anybody else? Joff wanted to paint um, a skeleton on Abby. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) We got to be festive, you know. I'm thinking like Karate Kid style too. Like just like a really corny one, like all across him. With your permission, Abby. Oh, that'd be fantastic. I'm picturing like a Dia de los Muertos kind of thing. But yeah. That's, that's great. Yeah. Yes. I was thinking like, like, is it Coco? Is that what it is? Yeah. 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 Cool. <laughs> awesome. Abby's going to show up in the party and be like, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very cool. Uh, yeah. Is there anything Nari wants to do? Um, I think the only thing Nari would want to do is I uh, just kind of coordinate with uh sort boredom boredomous yeah yeah um and make sure that we're just all good to go on the the skate but i think we've already kind of covered that so yeah um, you have and, and, and that's i good. guess i won't bring my great axe but i will have like my hand axes on me 
you're not going into the party. Right. Right. Yeah. So you you with the great axe is fine because um, you're not going into the, the party, uh, specifically a party where the governor is there and there's other like high flutin people wearing a sword would be OK. But yeah, that that that's yeah, that's a different different story. All right. And then, um, Abby, anything that Abby wants to do? Sorry, you can cut this. I had a mouthful of chips. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Microchips? Mwah, mwah. <laughs> I know. Oh, no. Now we have to keep it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> no, I think Ebby is pretty much ready to go. You know, I mean, he's he's just going naked, so it's going to yeah. be a little bit weird. He's going to be, I mean, he's not even wearing a shirt. He's not even like Winnie the Pooh in it. So. So is he is he going to have his uh, his half plate built into him like it says in the player's handbook that they can? Or are you going like armor off and everything? Oh, I think I probably would make keep that half plate. Yeah, I'm not crazy. So, <laughs> OK, OK. <laughs> yeah, not that it's done me any good, but I'll wear it. Exactly. Awesome. OK. All right. Well, then let's go ahead and jump right in. Um, a couple things before the uh, the party uh, gets started. Bordemus and Nari, I believe you guys had planned on having like a, a wagon available somewhere um, nearby, like at the park or something nearby the manor. Does that sound about right? Yeah, he said he would be able to get someone to uh, be a getaway car. Perfect. So the getaway driver is Sir Bordemus, okay? Just to the east of Eberly Manor is where um, Eberly Park is. Bordemus uh, shows up with a um, a carriage. It's not a fancy carriage. It's very uh, mundane, but it is completely enclosed. So uh, you can it has little windows on the doors, but you can pull little curtains to keep it closed and to keep prying eyes out. Um, he shows up with that carriage. Nari, you and Bordemus, I guess, are going to be hanging out there at the carriage. One thing I wanted to point out is that when he pulls up with the carriage, Thilo, the the blue skinned uh, water genasi fella is is there with him. And um, you notice as he uh, kind of gets ready, he's he's dressed like a servant. He has like a little bit of a costume on as well, um, but it definitely does not look as rich or fancy as your guys's does. But he keeps looking up at the manor and down at the wagon and up at the the manor and down at the wagon. And he keeps like, like almost talking to himself. And you assume he's like making calculations about um, if he has to make that jump, if he can make it to the wagon or where he needs to be at in the manor in order to make that leap through his kind of mystical water portal that he's got. Um, other than that, um, Pine, Ebby, Joff, and Philo, you guys are ready to go to the party. One thing real quick, I have to, before we separate, I've, I have to be able to see the people for the spirit messenger to know who to go to. Perfect. And then how far does the spirit messenger work? It says as long as you're within one mile. One mile. Okay. Yeah. All right. Awesome. How big is this manor? <laughs> <laughs> this manor is not a mile wide. Um, in fact, if you were to, oh, easy, um, f from the, where the uh, carriage is parked, um, the complete opposite end of the manor is still well within a mile. Okay. And you have to roll as well, right, to see how many people? So I get three people. Okay. Uh, I can choose up to three people I can see, and then it works for 1d8 hours. Oh, okay. I rolled a d8 and got a six. So we've got my spirit messenger can relay messages between us for six hours. Okay. 
Awesome. Wait, does this mean we finally get to talk to Squire? You get to talk through him. Through him. Oh. <laughs> He's like the switchboard operator in the 50s. I'm so excited to meet him. He's all, oh, gosh. He's like, go ahead. So, Joff, you catch just a quick glimpse of Squire as you are kind of setting this whole thing up. And he kind of lets out a big, ah, and then he pulls out this big quill and this big, huge scroll of paper. And he's like ready to write. And then he disappears from, from sight. So, um, yes, uh, other than that, uh, Philo is standing around. Um, you guys are kind of out at the carriage right now. Uh, Bordemus is sitting. Um, he's wearing uh, also like a costume, but you can tell his is also just kind of more of a cloak than anything. And every once in a while you can see him move and he's got his armor on underneath the cloak. Um, but he's sitting up in the um, in the driver's seat of the carriage, just kind of um, trying to look relaxed. And Thilo uh, walks up to Pine and Ebby and Joff, and he he nods and says, "I I I, th- I think I'm I'm as ready as I'm going to be." Well, then let's not uh, let's not wait any longer. Thilo and I will go in first. I don't think we should go in all at the same time. I am at your com- command, Master Joff. <laughs> <laughs> Beep boop wolves. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, a quick, well, we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, I'm nervous uh, about this. Yeah, well, okay, I'm just going to I'm going to give you a little hint because I'm a benevolent DM. You did not say your name was Joff when you got your uh, your invitation. Yes. Just a he- just a heads up. Just just a quick reminder. Okay. All right. So I wanna make sure that, that that's uh, that everyone's aware of that. Okay. I was so. super creative with my names. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just took the two people that are from my backstory. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's great. All right. Um, so, Pine, you start to head towards the um, towards the gatehouse of the manor. Uh, Thilo walking a few steps behind you. His eyes are downcast. Um, as you approach the, the manor, it's nighttime now. The sun has gone down. Um, you actually, you can hear like music and uh, drums in the streets. You can see people kind of... Uh, not running back and forth, but there's definitely like a a fun atmosphere in the air. Um, it is drizzling, um, but people don't seem to care. Um, they are, uh, you know, talking with each other. There's lots of people drinking in the streets. You see people walking into other people's houses. You know, there's a kind of like just this almost like a neighborhood party type of a feel. And Pine, you and Thilo approach the gatehouse for um, for Eberly Manor. You can see the gatehouse is pretty wide. Um, it's wide enough for at least two wagons to go through uh, side by side. And on either side of the opening, you see two... Um, I, all I could say is soldiers, uh, two, two men. One of them is um, short, wearing like full plate armor. Um, and he's got a, a sword and he's got a shield. And he just kind of uh, uh, is standing off to the left. And on the right side, there is another man. He has a dark brown skin. He's got a, a, a big, thick black beard. Um, he is not dressed... Um, in the Almerian style at all. Um, he actually looks like he's uh, dressed for a much warmer climate, um, but the the cold weather and the rain doesn't seem to be bothering him right now. Um, he is wearing um, just kind of 
clothing with no no armor or anything, but he does have a very large maul um, sitting next to him. Uh, and as you two approach, the the short man, the probably four foot tall man with the the beard and the full plate armor, he walks up to you, Pine, and he says, "Yes, may I see your invitation, please?" Really quick, before we got here, Pine would have handed the invitation actually to Thilo. Okay. And he would have said, for tonight, I'm calling you Michael. And then so so when we get to this point, um, Pine will say to, to Thilo, Michael, the invitation, please. Yeah, Thilo kind of reaches into his uh, into his pouch. He, he kind of looks at the, at the invitation and he hands it over real quick and then uh, looks down at the ground, um, trying to look subservient, but also looking just a little bit nervous. Uh, the man in the plate armor takes it and he looks at it, um, looks it over for a little bit, and then he nods and hands it back to you. And he says, welcome to Eberly Manor. I hope you enjoy the festivities. And he kind of motions you through. Well, thank you. Come, Michael. Don't dawdle. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. And you guys head up the walkway into the courtyard of Eberly Manor. Um, when you get into the courtyard, you can see um, that there is a uh, there's like a fountain in the middle, and you can see that there are actually uh, carriages have come in and they've kind of pulled around. It's like a like a little um, roundabout. So the carriages will pull in, and then people will step out of the carriages, and the carriages will pull back out and leave. Um, but you two are walking in, and you can see that there are as you enter this courtyard. It's quite large, but there are there's a Entrances to the building on all four sides. So straight ahead, there is double doors that are guarded by two guards. And then over to the right on the east side of the courtyard, there are two more guards and two more double doors. On the left west side, there are two more guards and two more double doors. And then on the south side, there's just a small single door with no guard. But you see as people are getting in and out of their carriages, they all seem to be going uh, into the north double door at the far side of the courtyard. Yeah, so then um, Pine will just continue walking uh, up to the north doors. Uh, yeah, you see uh, a lot, all kinds of people um, getting in and out of these carriages. You see uh, rich, what must be merchants. You see people from obviously from out of town. You see um, a lot of servants. You even do see a couple of servant deacons, um, you know, holding doors open of carriages you know, that kind of thing. Um, and as you guys head north into the, the double doors on the north end of the courtyard, the doors open up into this elaborate hall. What you can only assume is the kind of the, the great hall of Eberly Manor. You can see that uh, the people, as they walk into this great hall, there is double doors on the right that they keep, uh, people are, are filtering into that, uh, that direction. And then to the left, which is where like actually like the long great hall would be with like thrones and sitting uh, areas, um, that's actually blocked off by soldiers. So you're not allowed to go that way. But as you go into this portion of Eberly Manor um, and this uh, double door here to the right on the, on the Western Wall, as people go through it, the doors open and you can hear now music comes um, kind of wafting out of the room. You can um, you can hear laughter and lots of talking um, and here uh, the two people who are guarding this door, they they must be twins. You see these two uh, female red haired tall women um, wearing like leather armor. They've got um, scimitars at their waist. 
they're they're the ones who are protecting this this entryway into what must be the ballroom. So, do you guys just follow the crowd? Uh, yeah, just follow the crowd. All right. As you enter into this, uh, this this these double doors, you enter into a very large ballroom. Pine, you have been in some um, fancy places before, just in your capacity as a lieutenant general. Um, this is a very large, very spacious ballroom, and it's interesting because there is no seating except for along the sides. Everything is open. There is um, people just milling about. Um, you can see that up above, there are actually there's actually like a balcony um, that goes all the way around. And at the far end, so on the far eastern wall of the uh, of the uh, ballroom on the second floor, you can see some musicians are playing music. And you recognize Pender. You also recognize the. Um, the pointed-eared man who is playing kind of the the lute guitar type thing, and then you see the the large woman with the drum and the tambourine, and they're just playing some kind of background music right now. But as you walk in, you see all kinds of people milling about, um, just talking. Some people are dancing in the middle of the ballroom. Why don't you go ahead and make a quick uh, perception check as you scan the room? Pine rolled a nine. Okay. It's hard to pick out people, um, like particular people, just because it's so crowded. So at this point, you don't see anybody that you recognize, except for there is one person you're fairly certain that you uh, you know who it is. There is, amongst all these very rich, elaborately dressed people in their fine costumes, there is one man who stands seven and a half feet tall, wearing scale mail that is blue with a helmet on his head with big horns and a great axe strapped to his back. So you remember when I said that this is not the kind of place that people would take a great axe? Well, this guy did. And you are fairly certain, Pine, that this must be Adjudicator Ulrich. This guy makes the, makes the laws so he can break the rules. You're exactly right. All right. So now, Pine, you are here in the party. Let's jump back outside. Uh, really, really quick. So I can, I can I can say messages to anybody in the party at this point, or does it have to come through Joff? You can talk to Squire, and he will relay the message to whoever in the group you want. So Pine will say under his breath, "I don't quite know how this works, but it looks like, in case you were wondering, Pender wasn't able to find the the last member of his band." That's all. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, that's funny. Okay, back outside, Joff. You get that message. Apparently, Pender is in there. I'll try not to get too distracted from our task at hand. Abby, come along. Affirmative, master. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, this is great. All right. Yeah, so you approach, and it's a very similar situation of getting into the uh, into the ballroom. So, Joff, you are outside. You are confronted by the short man in the plate armor with the beard, uh, and then there's also the other man with the dark brown skin and the and the dark beard off to the side with the mall. Um, you show him your invitation. He says, mm -hmm. "Welcome, welcome, Mister Simon," and uh, then he lets you in. And as you follow the path of party goers. Uh, it takes you north into the courtyard. You follow north through those next double doors into the great hall and then off to the right into the ballroom. 
Joff and Ebby, you two are now in the ballroom as well. Okay. Oh, um, and then one thing I forgot to tell you, Pine, when you came in, you can see along the wall that a lot of the servants that people bring with them are just standing along the wall trying to stay out of the way, but keeping an eye for their for their master, you know, to in case they're needed. So Thilo kind of looks around the room. He kind of looks at you a little bit panicked, and then he just goes and stands over um, over along the wall, kind of to the south. Pine will give him a subtle thumbs up. <laughs> Awesome. All right. So Joff and Ebby, as you guys come in, why don't you guys make perception checks as well to see what you can see? Oh, Oakley. dokely. Joff got a 22. Ebby got a uh, 13. A 13. Okay. Yeah, Ebby, as you're looking around, you see a lot of um, like probably five or six different deacons. Um, they're all kind of standing um to the side, there's a couple of uh, there's a couple of people out there like in the dance floor who have their deacon right next to them, but most of the deacons are standing kind of off to the side. They look um, they look like you would look if you didn't have any of your armor on. You know what I mean? They look um, kind of thin, very basic, but also very shiny, very polished, very cleaned up. I think I forgot to polish up myself. It's all right. You look way cooler than all of these other guys with that skeleton. Oh, flattery <laughs> will get you everywhere. Simon. <laughs> Simon says I look very good tonight. So this is true. Simon did say people are going to start wondering why is there why there's this sassy deacon out here. <laughs> He's all like, oh, yeah, sassy, sassy. sassy deacon. I think Ebby Ebby's just going to kind of take a cue from these deacons that are kind of hovering near their respective owner. And I'm just going to stay near Joff, um, wherever it. Joff goes. Cool. Yeah. And, and as you guys entered, I forgot to mention this too, that, you know, it's, it's an open room. I said, there's no tables, but there's actually two big banquet tables kind of right there at the beginning, but it's all food that you're supposed to just get and then take it with you. Like as you mingle, and then there are servants running around, like grabbing plates and cups from people as they're finishing with their food so that, the the people who are you know who are here who are enjoying the party don't have to stop their revelry to go and take care of their dishes. But Joff, you got a much better role of perception as you walk in and you take a quick glance around the um, the party. You instantly spot Pine, and you spot Philo standing along the wall. Um, but you also spot a couple other people. You see um, who mu- the guy who must be adjudicator Ulrich um, with his. Um, big horned helmet and his great axe on his back. You also see next to him the person that you saw who um, Pine went and talked to, Pine's son. You see that Pine's son, Temra Jr., is here. He is staying close to Adjudicator Ulrich. You also see an older woman with short uh, kind of white hair. Um, she is dressed nicely, but with your perception of... Uh, of uh, 22 you can instantly tell kind of a military bearing on her and then you see she is talking to an older gentleman um, who is dressed very nice who has literally a guard like five feet behind him um and you are fairly certain if he's not the governor then he is somebody else who is very very important and then there's a couple other people that you see here but one other person you do see kind of off to the south uh in in this ballroom you do see alia brava and she is talking with a woman that you recognize as well. It is, I don't know if you remember, her name was uh, Sanara. And she's the one who gave you the 
pass to get into the party. She is, um, she's got dark hair. She's wearing like a long black dress. She's got like a very large kind of witch's hat on her head. Um, and the only thing that she has to decorate herself for um, the Gadiver's March is she has like a white skull painted on her face. Kind of a Baron Samdi look from uh, Live and Let Die. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Wait, so the witch's hat isn't enough of a costume? They're hardcore here. No, this is witches are not dead. <laughs> the, the lady wears a witch's hat all the time. Oh, she's one of those. Well, when she came out, when she came out and gave uh, and gave uh, uh, Joff his his ticket to get in, she was wearing the big the big hat. It's a fashion statement. Exactly right. Joff will mumble to Ebby. I'm going to head over there and wait. We were going to poison the stuff first. You're going to poison the food. Yes. I believe last time we talked, we said, don't poison the hors d'oeuvres. Wait till like the main course. Yes, that's right. And that's what it's the hors d'oeuvres right now, right? Oh, yeah. This is like little finger foods and stuff. Little finger sandwiches and ham rolls with cream cheese inside. Um, bacon wrapped around water, chestnuts, that kind of thing. Ooh. Okay. Although question, Paul, noticing that there's no other tables in here. Would we like retire to another room potentially to eat a, ma- a meal or am I uh, now that we're here? Uh, is it safe to assume it's all finger foods all the time? It, that's that's a possibility. As far as the finger foods, because unless they're going to bring out a bunch of tables or something, that's a, that's also a possibility. Um, there's a lot of people in here, though. And so, yeah, I I mean, you can ask somebody. I'm going to mutter under my breath to Squire to have him relay it to everybody else. I have another idea. If I can get into conversation with Aaliyah and have a servant, Ebby, bring us drinks that are poisoned, then we can do it discreetly that way instead of directly involving everyone. Mm, that works for me. Hmm. It, it would incapacitate her, but it would definitely not cause any kind of distraction to the party. That's true. I may be able to handle a distraction at some point. It might be better to get her out of this open area, though, before we try to act on her. What do you think, Nari? I'm just a little bit worried about her being suspicious. I'd just be careful about offering her a drink just in general. She's she's pretty sharp. As you guys are talking about uh, Aaliyah Brava, you can see that she's actually, she's kind of going around from person to person and um, she, she'll talk to them. And every time she's talking to a man, you see she's a little bit more like touching. She is like, she'll put her hand on their shoulder and hold it there just a little bit longer than, than is, you know, normal. Um, she laughs at all the jokes. So uh, Pine will go to the table because, I mean, there's free food there and we haven't poisoned it yet. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so Pine will make some of those uh, bacon-wrapped water chestnuts. All right. Put it on a plate, and then he's going to go try to start mingling. I have a question, though, Paul. Yes. Pine has an accent. Is that right? Uh, I, I'm assuming Pine has a Menorese accent, yes. Okay. All right. Just making sure. Okay. So Pine will go start trying to mingle, not with Aaliyah Brava right away. Mm-hmm. Just kind of wandering around and... And introducing himself to like just random people like, this, this is a good party. I like, I like the music's great. You having a good time? <laughs> you you wander over. And as you're it's kind of funny because uh, I'm just I'm just going to play off of what you did with your token in our virtual tabletop. You literally wandered over to the jester. 
<laughs> I couldn't see. <laughs> as you as you wander around with your plate of food, you're like, oh yeah, hmm, how do you like these water chestnuts, right? You got to remember, you are dressed like a um, like a fancy old bird bones guy, right? Um, and this this woman is she's very thin. Um, she's got like the jester's cap on, and her face is is she's got the motley um, uh, makeup on her face. And I guess she's also not dressed up for Gadiver's March. Um, she is dressed in just like motley. Why don't you make a quick um, either insight or perception check, Pine, as you go to talk to her? Okay, Pine, Pine rolled a six. <laughs> I think she's flirting with me. <laughs> <laughs> you keep waiting for her to start juggling or something, right? And so as you as you kind of walk up to her and you start mingling, um, she uh, let's see, she says, oh, nice choice. An old buzzard. <laughs> How could you tell I was old? I'm wearing a mask. And then she kind of uh, reaches over and uh, kind of kicks your cane a little bit. Oh, it's, it's cosmetic. It makes me look fly as hell. Well, I can tell by your voice that I was not wrong. You having a good time? <laughs> <laughs> and she says, <laughs> So you come here often? Yeah, exactly. She's like, Oh, I always have a good time everywhere I go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then um, somebody else walks by and then she has a really quick um, witty thing to say at their, um, at their expense that I am not quick enough to come up with off the top of my head. Pine will uh, move along. <laughs> okay. What's Joff doing? Joff is mingling as well, trying not to focus too much on Aaliyah and just kind of distracted by the adjudicator maybe. Uh, but can, is, there's dancing, right? Oh yeah, there's definitely dancing. Definitely dancing. So he's yeah. he's kind of in the middle of the dance floor, kind of dancing um, <laughs> and okay. just like watching everything happen around him. Okay. Ebby is just standing like a statue behind him while he dances. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like the electric slide and you just kind of you kind of move back out of the way as they kind of slide from place to place. But you, you just don't join in the dance. <laughs> just trying to stare <laughs> straight forward. Are you like, you're like keeping exact same distance from from Joff as he does the electric slide? Just moving back and forth, but not doing any uh, fancy moves. <laughs> oh, gosh, I think that's probably true, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's funny. Um, well, um, let's see. Joff, why don't you make a, a performance check to see how well you are at dancing? Hey, I, it's plus zero and I got a 17. Well, congratulations. Nice. Congratulations. You pick up on the boot scootin' boogie uh, pretty easily. Very good. Yeah, so you're, you're dancing. I was going to say stomp, stomp, kick, kick, ball change, stomp, kick, kick. <laughs> that's right oh my gosh thank you uh was that seventh or eighth grade seventh and eighth grade pe thank you for making us learn line dancing and square dancing yes yes we did have to do that i thought we were doing the monster mash <laughs> that's Chow not Chow real smooth <laughs> <laughs> all right um okay as you guys are enjoying this uh these festivities uh nari you are sitting out in the carriage with uh with Bortimer. Oh no <laughs> I can't even say his name right. Bortimus. <laughs> You're sitting out in the carriage with Bortimus. I believe it's pronounced Zanzibar. <laughs> yes, that one did come up as well. <laughs> Alright, so um Bortimus is sitting on this on the seat of the carriage. What what are you doing, uh Nari? 
Um, I mean, I think originally I'd kind of be casually chatting with him um, and then just sort of watching the people around me. As long as nobody is stopping to notice us, I wouldn't mind staying, you know, kind of in sight and just chilling. Um, unless if I notice somebody kind of watching us. Right. Okay. Um, make a perception check. 26. Um, you see a lot of people going by. You see people actually going into the park, um, like holding hands. You actually hear music coming from inside the park as well. Um, it doesn't look, seem like anyone is paying any extra attention to you. Um, your carriage is actually parked uh, kind of along the side of the road um, right next to the park where there's actually some other carriages parked there as well. Uh, it seems like some of the people who were brought to the party here at the manor in carriages, this is where they've kind of parked their car, their, their carriages. Awesome. So yeah, I'd probably just kind of want to stay a little bit in the shadows. I mean, I'm wearing all black, so it should be easy enough to do. Um, yeah. Just kind of keeping an eye out. And I would like to ask Sir Bortimus um, if our mutual wafer friend is is still <laughs> safe. Oh, no. He says, yes, she is, she's safe. She really wanted to be a part of this, but I, I don't think this is the place for her. I think once... Once we wrap things up tonight, then she can be more bold in her movements. I absolutely agree. I'm, I'm happy you're, you're keeping her safe. Um, that's, that's good to hear. Perfect. Okay, Ebby, I realize there's one thing that I forgot to have you do. Actually, I don't even need to make, need to make, I don't even need you to make a roll. When you came into the manor today um, and you saw the, the dark skin man with the dark uh, beard and you saw the short man with the full plate, you recognize the man in the full plate. Um, going back a few episodes, um, when you were down in the chamber of the wilted rose and the door opened and you saw Aliyah Brava's mercenaries for a short second, there was one man who was standing there and he kept kind of tapping his chest every few seconds. I don't know if you remember that description, but that is the man in the full plate standing at the entrance to the manor. Okay. All righty then. So I forgot, I'm sorry, I forgot that you did recognize him, um, but you look completely different now than you did that night. So you don't think he recognized you. Good. Well, that that's good. <laughs> All right. As you guys are kind of dancing there in the party, the there is a man who is an older gentleman. He's wearing a long black robe. It's got like some gold accents. You can see um, on his hanging from his uh, neck he's got this big pendant on, and it is actually a hand with two wings, one on either side. Um, it is the symbol of Iramil. Um, this guy appears to be some kind of a priest of Iramil. Thanks a lot. <laughs> this is a priest of your meal. Um, anyway, he uh, he kind of has this staff in his hand, and on the tip of the, on the tip of the staff, it ha also has that same symbol, the hand with the wings. And he pounds it on the ground three times, and the music just stops, and everyone stops talking. And he raises his voice for everyone to hear. It's kind of hard to hear anyway because he is an older man, and his voice is faltering a little bit. But he does say, "Welcome to this party." Uh, in memory of the March of Gadaver, may we all remember to keep Iramil at the center of our thoughts. His light should shine and guide all of us this evening. As soon as he finishes, Pine will go, Amen! 
Hey, Zeramil. Yeah, he's trying to bring it back. Aramil, if, if you guys recall, any type of celebration, Aramil has to be above. Um, so even at the temples for other deities here in town, there is always a symbol of Aramil above the symbol of that uh, of that deity. Um, and so um, he is just kind of reminding everyone that um, Aramil is the, the patron deity of the empire, and don't you forget it. All right. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> um, servants keep coming in and out of the um, of the of the southern door in the ballroom. You guys came in through a door, a double door that was um, on the western wall, and on the southern wall, there's another double door, and you can see that servants keep coming in and out of there, bringing more and more food to replenish the food that gets taken from those two tables that are in the ballroom. Um, also, there are staircases that go up uh, to the second floor balcony. So if anyone wants to go to the second floor, that is also a uh, an option. But let's see. Nari, you are still sitting out there, maybe getting a little bit anxious. And suddenly, Nari, in your brain, only you can hear this. You hear this. Nari, a warning. Something big is happening tonight. An opportunity to kill Governor Tenor. It should bring down the house. Stay away from Eberly Manor. And that was Kira's voice. <laughs> you heard her voice come through your sending stone. Okay, I will, um, I will respond to that. Um, and I will say, the boys are at Eberly Manor at the moment. Are they in danger? And I think that's it. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. And now you know that because she sent the message, she can't send another one until tomorrow. So you would have to send another message to her so she can respond. Yeah. I'd have to send it to her. And use up your last charge. Okay. Or your only charge. I think I will do that because that seems pretty important. So uh, I will send a message again saying, is there anything we can do to assist in this endeavor? We are currently working to mitigate the issue that is Aaliyah Brava. And that is why everyone else is in Eberly Manor tonight. You get a response back from Kira and it says, they are inside now. They must get out. A new cell I just became aware of has been planning something for months. It happens tonight. And it ends there. Okay, so I will um, talk to talk to Squire and through Squire, I will I will tell the boys basically that uh, that I've been talking to Kira, and it sounds like Eberly Manor is dangerous, and someone else is planning on attacking the governor tonight. She warns us to get out of there as soon as possible. Well, if she's if someone's attacking the governor, then we would be okay. But it sounds like there's planning for a lot of collateral damage. Yes, if we can if we can get Aaliyah Brava and get out ASAP, I think that would be best. But that's unacceptable. There are there are hundreds of innocents here. They're all guilty. I just met like the funniest jester. I think she was totally <laughs> into me. But <laughs> <laughs> but but she. She has done nothing wrong except for insult everybody that passes by her. So you're going to try and save the governor? Mm, not the governor. 
if we don't know the plan, we can't do much to mitigate it. I think it won't do any good for us to get hit in the crossfires anyway. This is unacceptable. Be that as it may, if we can get Aaliyah Brava and get out, I think that would be best. Real quick, a note. Pine, your son is in here. I know. I mean, I'm not saying that (laughs) specifically, but yeah. I could relay a message to your son discreetly for you if you need. If we need... Damn it. What if we were to use Thylo to get your son out of here and then the rest of us try to steer Aaliyah Brava into a place where we can apprehend her and then make make a break for it? If they're anticipating a lot of collateral damage, why don't we just leave her here? Wouldn't that be a loose end? In stories, if you don't see the character die, they don't die. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That's true. That's very true. Unless it's a dog, they always kill the dog off screen. That's true. That's true. (laughs) But people, they have to die on screen for it to stick. I want Aaliyah Brava. I want the information she has. I will go and warn your son. If we warn my son, we warn the adjudicator as well. If we warn the adjudicator, we warn the military presence. He's like glue. He's right by his side. I doubt he can get away very easily. Let alone leave the entire party. Well, do we just stick to our plan then? Let's move quickly. So out of character, guys. Yes. Pine hates this. This is exactly what he was afraid of with teaming up too too closely with Fallen Heaven. Because this is, from what it sounds like, this is straight up, don't care about the casualties, terrorism. Well, this isn't Fallen Heaven. Well, it's a new cell. It's a different group than Kira's is what it sounded like. Yeah, it sounded like it sounded like Kira was telling you that there's a new group, a new cell of Fallen Heaven that has been planning something for for months. And it's happening tonight. And she just found out about it and is telling you. And uh, she did say it should bring down the house. What if the there were people like meeting in the bathhouse mm-hmm. um, that we never really dug into? I wonder if that's related at all. This is no time for a bath, Ebby. <laughs> <laughs> He's feeling left out. He didn't go last time. I'm just not as polished as these other ones are. They're so shiny. <laughs> Ebby, you look fantastic. Don't think otherwise. But that would also make sense. Apparently, it's it's black market crystal technology and it would take something big to bring this place down yeah pine you can't help but remember a certain explosion yes with crystal tech all right well i'm going to go introduce myself to Aaliyah. who has the poison oh i don't know if we established i think we had mentioned having me do it okay but my sleight of hands only plus four i could do it maybe if we get enough people sick they'll they'll go outside to be sick well i guess let's Let's try it. So as you guys are getting prepped outside, um, Bordemer, I kept saying Bordemer. Thank you so much, Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) Bordemus kind of, he hops down off the, off the carriage and he comes over to you, Nari. He can, he can tell something's up and he says, "Uh, what's, what's the matter? What's going on? I I just got a message from, from Kira from Fallen Heaven. It, it sounds like another faction, another cell has, well, it sounds like they've planned to take down the whole party and everyone in it. So I'm, I'm looking to get the guys out as soon as possible. He looks um, like uh, aghast. He says, there's 
a lot of innocent people in there. Yes, uh, Pine also mentioned that. I think they're going to try and get as many people out as possible, but I'm not sure who's planning it or what exactly they're planning. So I, I don't know if I don't know if stopping it is the best use of our energy at this point. We have to do something, don't we? I mean, I can't just stand by and know that something's going to happen and all these innocent people are going to get hurt, right? I guess I don't know what we would do without alerting everyone of of the plan. And I don't even know what the plan is. Um, I, I think that they're planning on poisoning the, the hors d'oeuvres and trying to get as many people sick as possible. So... So people leave the building, but I don't, I don't know what else we can do. He says, what if, what if you and I, what if you and I go try to stop this attack? They continue their work inside to get Aaliyah Brava and you and I, we go, we go stop this. This sounds like Paul trying to get me to go down to those catacombs. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do, but you got Bordemus who is a knight of the red blossom who was willing on his honor to, uh, to fight for Nilla. I agree. I, I mean, we can at least, at least check it out and see what, see if we can find someone who's um, in charge of this caper and see what we can discover. Okay. All right, let's go. Let them, let them know that we will, um, we'll be away from the carriage. All right, I'll relay that to the guys and let them know that we're going to go try to figure out a little bit more information about um, about what's going on and see what we can discover. If they're planning to bring down the building, they'd have to put something in the catacombs underneath. Yes. It's a good thing we have those maps. We're going to have to go to the catacombs, I, I think. He, uh, Mortimer says, do you, do you know how to get to the catacombs underneath Eberly Manor? Yes, yeah, we 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 got a map from from the library, so we we should have an idea of how to get down there. You know, there's an entrance obviously over in the park, so we should we should hurry. Okay. Yes, let's let's go now. And he rushes back over cuz he he was with you guys um in the in the park, um in the uh in the catacombs before. Let's see here. All right, back up to the party. What's everyone doing? Joff is going to poison the food. <laughs> All right. So you got two tables um, full of these hors d'oeuvres and things. You're just going to start dumping. I think you have two vials of poison, right? Yeah, we got two vials. Okay. And I'm just going to, I think I'm going to focus on the drinks. I think that would be the, probably the easiest to discreetly pour something into. Okay. And, you know, I could play it off like I'm just adding, you know, alcohol into the juice sort of thing. All right, yeah. So um, you kind of wander over to the table where there's all these goblets and and uh, and glasses set up, um, full of different uh, different uh, liquors and and wine and that kind of thing. Why don't you go and make a sleight of hand check as you attempt to poison people at a party? All right. So Joff got a twenty four on sleight of hand. All right. Let me do a quick check here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The only person you might have noticed ended up rolling a natural one. So as you go to start um, pouring this poison in and, and uh, earn your new nickname, Rufy. Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Rufy. Oh. <laughs> 
It is a nice combination of Roos and Joff, though. Oh, that is. It's it true. is. Yeah, there we go. Um, yeah, you uh, you actually you you pour this into the uh, uh, into the drinks. Uh, no problem at all. And uh, before you know it, you have an empty vial in your hand that you kind of tuck back into your pocket, and you have one more vial of poison. Now, did I get all of the drinks, or is that you got the vast majority of the drinks? Yes. Okay. Should we double dose it? Should I pour the other one in to make it even stronger? <laughs> well, there's another table. Are there drinks on both tables? There are drinks on both tables, yes. Okay, I'll go to the other table and I'll do the same. Yeah, and as you do this, you realize that there's no way that you can get poison into every drink for every person in of course. here. Of course. You know, it will still be a small percentage. Make another side of hand check. Okay. I got a 20 that time. Oh, and a nine to spot you um, uh, plus some modifiers. It's still not going to be a 20. All right, perfect. So then as you walk over to the other table, you kind of uh, I'm guessing you kind of grab a drink for yourself and kind of um, you're kind of looking at different drinks and you you poison them and you grab one for yourself. That's not poisoned. And there you go. You have poisoned drinks now here at this party. I will then grab so I'll have one for me. And I will have Ebby grab two more poisoned ones and bring them with me as I go and introduce myself to Aaliyah and Sonara. All right. Uh, Pine, what are you doing? Pine is uh, watching his son very closely. He's moving around the dance floor, but he is he's looking at Temrid uh, trying to figure out a way to get him out of here should things go south. Um, you can see that he is um, he's joining in conversation like uh, Ulrich is um, you can hear his like laugh. Um, it's a big booming laugh. And uh, Tamrid is standing kind of uh, kind of behind him just a little bit. He joins in with the laughter. Every once in a while, Ulrich will kind of turn back towards Tamrid and ask him a question or say something. And they'll, they'll have a little laugh and then he'll turn back around. But you can tell that Tamrid is definitely kind of seen as at this point the, the servant of um, adjudicator Ulrich. It seems like, uh, um, as you're watching, it seems like uh, Temrit is is enjoying himself. Uh, you don't think he's actually noticed you yet. Well, because my disguise is hella tight. Yeah, exactly. Bird bones, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then, Ebby, what They're are you hollow. doing? Yeah, they are hollow. Ebby's <laughs> uh, just going to kind of play along with Joff, carry the drinks over to Aaliyah and Sonara. All right. All right. Uh, so, Joff, you and Ebby wander on over to Aaliyah Brava. She is just finishing up talking with somebody else, um, and she kind of, well, tell your wife that I that I um, I miss her at our at our at our get-togethers. And then she kind of touches his shoulder and kind of rubs it just a little bit, a little bit inappropriately. And then the man turns around and, and walks away as she turns and looks at you, Joff. She says, "Oh." Hello there, Aliyah Brava. And she, ha- she holds her hand up uh, for you to kiss. I will kiss her hand and introduce myself as Simon of House Tegish from Barrister. She says, oh, how fascinating. We don't get many people here from Barrister. Yes, I, I gathered that much. And then I'll, I'll um, look to Sonara and say, thank you again for helping me get into this, this fine party. I've been able to make some acquaintances as we, have, as we spoke of yesterday. She, um, if, I don't know if you recall, but she had kind of a, 
a look like a, a knowing look. Um, she gives you that same knowing look and she says, Oh, the pleasure is all mine. I'm, I'm glad that you could join us. And then she turns to Aaliyah and she says, um, if you'll excuse me, miss, I, I, I need to excuse myself. And then she actually, um, leaves the conversation and heads kind of off in the direction of kind of where the servants are going, um, as they come enter and exit, uh, from the ballroom. So you are left alone with Aaliyah Brava. Oh, super sus. <laughs> I know, right? I'll say to Aaliyah, well, I brought drinks for two lovely ladies, but apparently there's only one of you now. Ebby, would you hand this fine lady her drink? Affirmative. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's perfect. Okay. Um, yeah, you hand uh, Aaliyah a drink and she says, oh, well, thank you very much. And then um, she holds it up. She says, what are we toasting? To finding old friends. She kind of looks at you and says, yes, okay, to, to finding old friends. And she, she uh, clinks your glass and then she takes a drink. I'll take my drink of mine as well. Okay. So what brings you here from Barrister? I am looking to make some investments and perhaps move my wealth here where I'd have more opportunities with the the empire. I I think that's the way of the future. I think you'll find that's true. I feel like if you throw in your hat with the empire, you can't lose. I feel like that's what's happening around the world at this point and I I want to be earlier jumping onto the game than later. Hmm. <laughs> You, do you think that the Empire is going to make moves on Barrister? Perhaps eventually, but I'd, I'd like to have myself well established with them before that even happens, before it's even a thought in their mind. Yes, I think that that is a wise, wise choice. And then she kind of uh, just kind of has a pleasant conversation with you. She keeps like, she'll reach out and she'll touch your shoulder and um, laugh at your jokes a little bit, put her hand on your hand. Ha 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 that kind of thing. And I mean, she's a very attractive woman. Ebby, what are you doing as Joff is, uh, is, uh, having this little conversation? I mean, I guess Ebby's just kind of standing there. Um, he may take like a couple steps just slightly back. So he's not like right in the mix of it all. Okay. And, um, using Squire kind of under his breath, he wants to send a message to Joff and kind of pose a question and say, I don't know if this is the right venue or time, but I could attempt to try and charm her and get her to leave the room with us. Joff will turn to Ebby uh, and kind of pat him on the sh shoulder and say, these, these deacons seem to malfunction occasionally, but they, I think they're worth their money. And I'll nod my head to him. She says, I'm surprised that you already have one. I mean, as far as I've been able to tell, only people from Almar have, have them here in the city. I, I haven't even been able to find one for myself yet. <laughs> Call it a bit of good luck and a bit of gambling. Hmm. So you're a gambler. I more often than not gamble with my life than with my money. But it works out for me. Very interesting. You'll have to tell me some of your stories sometimes. <laughs> I'm sure we'll be able to get more acquainted in the very near future. All right. So is Ebby going to try something at this point? Um, was that the, was that the message that, uh, that Joff gave you? 
<laughs> I feel like if I go for it, we're like <laughs> totally going to get outed as um, trying to manipulate her. Joff, make a make a quick uh, a quick perception check. Ebby, you can make one too. Okay. Okay. Man, my f- dice are on fire tonight. I got a twenty six. Nice. And Ebby rolled a twenty one. And Pine, why don't you make a roll too for perception? Man, it's a good night to get good rolls, guys. Pine got another nine. My another goodness, nine. Pine. <laughs> Pine, you just kind of keep watching your son. You know, you keep like looking around the room, trying to kind yeah. of keep things on track, but you keep your eyes keep wandering back to your son. Yeah, I mean, at this point, Pine has actually wandered back over toward one of the tables. He'll pick up a drink, knowing not to drink it, but he's just trying to be close to Thilo. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, did I? Thilo is blue, like Thalo blue. Is that the naming convention there? That is a totally um, no. I'm not that smart. <laughs> no, that just that, it was Milo with a th. Like oh. that's how it came to be. Right, but, happy that, accident. Happy little yeah. accident. That is a happy little accident with your thalo blue. Yes. <laughs> All right. So that's what he's doing. I mean, he's holding a drink. Just he's not even making small talk anymore. He's just kind of watching, trying to look like he's just watching the dancing, but he's keeping everybody kind of head on a swivel. Yeah. Um, as you are kind of uh, doing that, Thilo actually walks up behind you and he puts his hand on your shoulder and he says, uh, excuse me, sir, is there anything that you need? Yeah, yes, that's, um, come with me. I need to freshen up a little bit. Hey, of course, sir. And uh, so Pine will head toward... Um, Kind of maybe just like a more secluded corner of the ballroom to fill Philo in on what's going on. He won't say, he won't tell him like, oh, do you want to role play this or what? No, you can just, you can say whatever. We got a lot going on and we're going to jump back over to Nari here real soon too. He's not saying anything like the manor's about to blow up, <laughs> but he is saying like, um, there might be a new wrinkle. Um, keep your eye on um, Ebby and Joff. Uh, because they are currently talking with Aaliyah Brava, um, and we may need to get her out quickly. Okay. And I may not come with you. Well, that he will say, okay, where where will you go? Like I said, there's another wrinkle. There's another player on the board. But don't worry, your mission is still the same. If we need you to get anybody out, we will call on you to get them out. Of course, okay. I'm I'm ready when you are. I'm, and then he leans in close. He says, "I'm ready to get out of here. I, I, I don't I don't belong here. Neither do I." Okay, so um, going back to um, Ebby and uh, Joff, you guys both notice as you're kind of, kind of talking with Aaliyah, you see people are starting to kind of you know kind of grab their stomachs a little bit. You you see people kind of uh, excusing themselves. You see one person kind of walk over and just throw up right into a plant. And um, Aaliyah takes notice as well. And one thing you guys also notice, uh, Joff especially, is that she is not affected whatsoever. Damn it. That snaky bitch, she's probably immune to poison. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. But I, <laughs> I did notice Paul made a roll when I handed her the drink and he got a really high roll. And I was like, damn it, that's her constitution save. <laughs> well, actually, that roll was kind of... Uh, that was for something else. Um, no, Aaliyah Brava is a, uh, she's a, basically a Yuan-Ti pureblood and they are immune to poison. Ugh. 
Yes. Okay. So people are starting to get sick and we are jumping back over to Nari and Bordemus. Okay, Nari, you and Bordemus go tearing through the park back to that garden shed where you know you can get down into the crypts underneath the park. And what is going to happen is you guys uh, go into the park, you go into the shed, you tear open the uh, the trapdoor, you go down those stairs, and you get back down into the into the hallway that is now choked with roots and vegetables or vegetation, thanks to Ebby's uh, plant growth spell. Rutabagas and turnips, <laughs> vegetation, not vegetables. I did try to correct myself, catch myself. All right. Yeah. So as we get down to the catacombs, and we, I can't see. I am definitely going to cast my light spell so i am able to see on myself uh so i can do a 20 foot radius all right yeah so you get back down into the into the catacombs uh, that you were just in a couple days ago these roots have now filled up this space it's, it's hard going to get through this hallway you do manage to get through but it takes a long time and as you and Bordemus kind of stumble out into this kind of more open area, if you recall a couple of weeks ago when we were playing, there was this room that had sarcophagi that you guys kept kicking the sarcophagi and taking lids off, trying to wake up the dead. And robbing. <laughs> yeah. Did we finally succeed? <laughs> um, as, as, Daria, as you and Bordemus stumble into this room, there are two undead here in this room, and we are going to roll initiative for the two of you. All right, Nari rolled a 12. All right. As you guys stumble out into this room, you see these two undead, and they both look familiar. Not like you recognize the specific um, people, but you recognize these types of undead. One of them is like a zombie, but he's wearing armor. He's got a sword. It looks like he moves faster than a normal zombie would. The other one looks similar, but he is wearing a robe. And as you enter in, they both look at you and point and quick on the draw, Bordemus rushes forward to attack the white who is wearing armor. And he's going to make two attacks with his longsword. And he is going to hit one time, and he is going to deal 10 damage to the white. Alright, that brings us to Nari. Alright, Nari will um, go up to the other enemy and she will swing with her Great Axe, uh, 17 to hit. That will hit. For 12 damage. Okay. And then hit again for 8 to hit. Uh, uh, that, except that's a 1, so... That's a 1, so that will miss anyway. Well, don't I get to reroll the ones? You only get to reroll your damage if it's a 1. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. never mind. Halflings get to reroll their 1s. All right. Now, um, it is these bad guys' turn. Um, it looks like the... The white with the sword is going to attack back at Sir Bordemus twice, and it looks like he misses both times with a 13 and a 5. And then the other one is going to step towards you, Nari, and he is going to attempt to do <laughs> the life drain attack on you again with a natural one. So it misses. Okay. Get out. <laughs> that brings us back to the top. It is Bordemus's turn. He's going to take two attacks real quick against the same guy. The first one is a miss with a nine, but the second one is a natural 20. So he is going to deal. He's going to deal 15 damage with one of these hits to this white. And Nari, it is your turn. Um, she will go again with her axe here. Um, ooh, a nat 20 to hit. Oh, perfect. 
Um, so that was eight um, damage. So that ends up being. It looks like you rolled a you rolled a four plus four. Yeah. So that'd be four times two plus four. It would be it should be twelve if that if my math is correct. Okay, so that's twelve damage. That was not great. Uh, and then we'll roll again for twenty two to hit and another twelve damage. So An- another twelve damage. I'm consistent. You are consistent. That's great. And you knock this guy down. He is he uh, crumples to the ground barely, but you got him. And now this uh, the white with the sword and the armor is going to strike back at Sir Bordemus two times. Uh, and he is going to hit with the second swing and he is going to deal. Oh, Sir Bordemus takes 10 damage. And that brings us back up to Sir Bordemus, who is going to attack back. And he misses both times with a nine and with a natural one. Nari, it's your turn. Oh, but Sir Bordemus, as he's swinging, he says, we don't have time for this. Nari will run up and help him out here with her great axe again. 13 to hit. That is not enough. Okay. Um, And then she'll try again. Ah, 10 to hit. Okay. Now this time the white is going to take attack, one attack against you and one attack against Bordemus. So against Bordemus, it is a 12. That's a miss. And against you, it is a natural one. It's another miss. All right. And that brings us back up to Bordemus, two attacks and 17 and 17, two hits. And he is going to deal... Oh, man. He's going to deal uh, four plus five is nine damage from his two hits. And uh, it is now Nari's turn. Go ahead, Nari. All right. Nari's going to try to finish this guy off. Oh, my gosh. 11 to hit and 14 to hit. The 14 hits. Okay. 10 damage. And just like that, this guy goes down as well. just gonna say let's let's get out of here man like we we gotta hurry yeah all right he says yeah lead the way um because you have the map wait you're not gonna loot the bodies i'm kidding we don't have time for that (laughs) all right um okay cool as you guys um as uh nari and bordemus move deeper into the crypt we are gonna jump back up to the ballroom you, you cut you cut to uh, Pine having a conversation with somebody. He's like, funny ballroom is actually the, the first thing I look for when buying a new pair of underwear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I should tell that word to the jester. I think she'd like that. <laughs> the, the guy says, you're funnier than the jester. <laughs> Josh, you're talking with Aaliyah. You see people starting to get sick. Not everybody, but enough. Um, and you can see, let me make another roll real quick. Um, okay, yeah. At one point, you actually, you're kind of looking around the room and you see the governor, Governor Tenor. Um, he is this well-dressed <laughs> man. He um, he starts to get kind of uh, like clutching at his his stomach and he kind of like rubs his chest a little bit and then he leans over and throws up all over the floor um and uh he has now been poisoned um you see the older lady with the short white hair who has that military bearing she is instantly right next to him um putting her hand on his shoulder and then she like kind of like forces him down to his knees so he can kind of like um catch his breath and she's whispering something in his ear as she looks around the room and she puts her hand like on her on her uh her rapier that she wears at her at her waist you'd see that um 
Ulrich, the adjudicator, um, he is still laughing boisterously, but he glances over at the governor and he notices something is wrong as well. And he takes like three quick strides over to the governor as well. People are starting to notice that something doesn't seem right. Jaff is going to jokingly say to Aaliyah, I think the chef might get fired today. She says, oh, why would you say that? And then she looks around and she sees people like getting sick. And she's like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> it appears he may not have cooked something well enough. Uh, if, if you'll excuse me, please. And then she actually starts to leave the conversation. Um, as she leaves the ballroom, Pine, she actually ends up walking right by you. Um, you can see in her face that she has a concerned look in her eyes. So she is about to leave the ballroom from the south door um, where you see, have seen servants come and go. What does everybody want to do at this exact moment? Just a second. I'm, I need to look up the description of a spell. Okay. <laughs> Compel duel? No. <laughs> Ebby is going to start heading that direction as well. He's just going to be straight up following her, basically. Okay. Uh, I'll follow too. I have a spell. It's called Paralyzing Shout, but it's the same as Hold Person. And it doesn't say anything specifically about if they make the save, if they, they, they know that the spell was cast. I'm assuming that as soon as I say something or start to cast a spell, she will know, right? Possibly. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll make her make an arcana check. That's if I if I decide to do that. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. That's really risky. Philo sees you guys all starting to move to follow her, and um he kind of perks up off the wall and he kind of takes a couple steps forward, um, seeing that things are are happening. She is about to leave the room. I'm kind of okay with her getting out of the main room because when I try to cast a, a spell on her, which I'm planning on doing here shortly. I don't want to be near an adjudicator when that happens. Got so. it. Okay. Let's. Uh, so as as Abby and I are walking, following her, um, I'll say, "Let's get into the other room." And as soon as we're in the other room, you do your thing. Sounds like a plan. Pine will say um, to Nari uh, via via Squire. I really hope you can stop what's going on down there. And he will. And he will kind of motion to Thilo to also follow, but we'll follow just a little bit after. Um, Joff and Ebby. Aaliyah Brava leaves the ballroom and enters into a hallway um, on the other side of the door. Um, what I'm going to need, there is a guard standing here at the doorway. And as Aaliyah walks through, he kind of uh, nods to her, um, kind of a little bow. And as Joff, as you start to approach, and Ebby, especially as you are kind of coming in, he kind of puts up his hand and he says, he, he holds up his hand and he says, Halt, only authorized personnel are allowed beyond this door. It's all right. This whole kingdom is mine. And I'll just keep walking. I'm just kidding. I don't say that. Ebby <laughs> will actually say, you fool. Don't you see that someone has poisoned the governor? We need to go and investigate this. You should go to check to make sure he's OK. Uh, make a persuasion check. Strong words from a deacon. Mm -hmm. I am not a persuasive person. A five. Oh, no. A five. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I was going to say, though, that that really was a good line. <laughs> well, you know, what? it was a great line. Why don't you make it with advantage? Let's just let's just see what happens. <laughs> OK, <laughs> I will gladly accept that. A nine. A nine. <laughs> Super <laughs> great. It's All almost right. twice as good. But it came out as like beep boop wolves. <laughs> so 
Oh, man. Uh, yeah, Aaliyah is through the door. Uh, the guard is stopping you at the door. Um, he's not going to let you go through, Ebby. Um, he doesn't have like his, his sword out or anything like that, but he's just like, no, only authorized personnel beyond this point. Joff will say, this one is with me. He's my servant and we're going through. Uh, are you going to try to intimidate? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> let me say it a different way. We are allowed here. Don't you recognize me? And I'll just like walk past him without like stopping, just like ignoring him. Jedi, Jedi mind tricking him. We'll call that an intimidate check. I will give that to oh, you. I with was thinking end. like deception though. Like, oh, deception. Okay, fine. That's fine. Saying like, I belong here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. With advantage. Uh, I rolled an 18 on that. Okay. Let's see. And he rolled a natural one. So uh, he kind of, um, uh, of course, sir. And then he kind of steps out of your way. Pine and Thyla, you guys are going to follow as well, right? Totally. Okay, Pine. So you see Joff and Ebby um, follow um, follow Aliyah Brava out of the ballroom. Okay. So, um, yeah, we'll just wait a beat. And then we'll also, I'll, I'll lead and, and, and hopefully Thyla will follow me as well. Yeah, he's right behind you. Okay, we'll go through the door. He says, oh, no, uh, authorized personnel only. Oh, well, well, Miss Brava invited us to the orgy. I think this is the way, right? I just, <laughs> just saw her leave. <laughs> Make a deception check. It's a 13. It's a 13. Well, let's see. He was not very good before. Uh, he rolled a five. You can see his, his cheeks blush. And he's like, oh, of, of, of course, sir. And then he kind of um, lets, you, lets you follow. All right. Nothing like an old man in a bird costume at the orgy. <laughs> <laughs> Every orgy needs an old man in a bird costume. Honestly, right. honestly, he just he just watches. Oh gosh! <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh gosh! That's so funny. They don't have any blue pills in in uh, Pavantis. Gosh. <laughs> all right just well, give it a bit it'll kick in oh my god <laughs> let's stop right there <laughs> okay there goes there goes our uh clean rating <laughs> awesome um back down into the catacombs the catacombs are very confusing even for me and i have a hard time keeping all of the maps straight but i'm fairly certain um that i know where you are speaking of which i wanted to verify is like this circular staircase d is that what goes up to eberly manor no you see you're looking at the maps so i i've already given you guys the maps so um uh, <laughs> I've already given you guys the maps that um, that circular staircase actually goes further down. OK, um, oh, well, that's yeah. actually goes down into what they call the Arkle V abyss. And so what you're going to end up needing to do is going back kind of the way that you that you initially came in to um, to the catacombs. So if you remember, you came into the Tomb of the Ten Maidens and then you went down through that secret that secret ladder, you basically have to backtrack where you've already been. Um, and then there's a turn that you have to make that you didn't make uh, your your first time through here. But um, we're kind of playing this kind of like flash, like flash up to the what's going on up above and then flash down here to you guys. And since you already have the maps, I'm not going to make you navigate. I'm, I, I assume that since you have the maps, you're going to know which way to go. Okay. Okay, cool. That sounds good. 
All right, Bordemus and Nari, as you guys come rushing back through the same way that you guys came, uh, you go uh, down these stairs into a room that you kind of recognize. This is... Um, Last time you guys were here in the catacombs, this was an, an area that you guys uh, spent just a little bit of time in. As you come rushing down these stairs um, into another room full of sarcophagi, you see there's a staircase down to the south and it heads further down into the catacombs. You know that that is the direction you need to go. But if you guys recall here, this direction over here, this is where you guys came out of the secret hallway. There's a ladder down here that goes right up into the chamber of the Wilted Rose. But now you know from the maps that you need to go down these stairs. In your way, you see three skeletons and one more white. And we are going to roll initiative again. All right, Nari got an 18. I'll kind of turn to Bordibus and say we might be able to just kind of, you know, run past them since we need to go over here uh, to the left. Nari got an 18. And Bordibus got an 8. The skeletons got an 11 and the white that's in here got a 16. All right, that brings us to Nari, you're up. You can see that there are three skeletons. One of them is kind of blocking the staircase that you need to go into. Um, and then the other two uh, skeletons and the white are more in the middle of this, this chamber. Yeah, so I am going to run um, down to the south where that other skeleton is. Um, okay and kind of stand by the staircase and then swing at him. Um, basically, my goal is to just get down and not necessarily try to fight. So 24 to hit with 13 damage. That is enough. You crumple the skeleton. He crumbles underneath the weight of your blow. Sweet. Um, and then I will yell back to um, Sir Bordemus and I will let him know, just you know, kind of hurry, Let's let's run down these stairs. He, uh, he says, yeah, you don't need to tell me twice. And he comes running down um, past you as well and rushes down the stairs into the next area of the catacombs that now, Nari, you are going completely by map. You have never been this deep into the catacombs before. Well, up above, we have everyone seems to be getting sick in the ballroom. Uh, our heroes have left the ballroom to follow Aaliyah Brava into a hallway that um, we have yet to, to see. Um, but that will have to wait until next time as Nari and Sir Bordemus are racing their way through the catacombs, trying to stop whatever kind of attack is about to happen at Eberly Manor. We will pick this up next time. Anyway... Thank you guys for joining us tonight. Uh, we have had a great time of improvising your way through some social interactions, as well as clobbering some skeletons and some whites. And uh, next time we get together, we'll see just how easy it is to subdue Aaliyah Brava. Paul's going to bring the house down. <laughs> <laughs> Until then, have a great time. <laughs>